Welcome to The Courage Effect. I'm Suzanne Weller, and this is a show about growth and unleashing what's possible. You will hear inspiring stories about what courage looks like, how we navigate what's getting in our way, and the opportunities that surface when we choose courage over comfort. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. It's Suzanne. Welcome to The Courage Effect. So today's topic is perfectionism. Um, I really wonder, you know, there, I want to talk about what is the definition of perfectionism and is it something that you believe really pushes you and helps you to succeed? And I really wonder, you know, what is the difference between striving for great results and perfectionism? Because there definitely is a difference. And my guest today is the world's leading expert on perfectionism. He is Dr. Thomas Curran. He's a professor of psychology at the London School of Economics and the author of the best-selling book, The Perfection Trap. You might have heard him on NPR, which is how I originally found out about him, um, seen his TED Talk on perfectionism, which has over 3 million views, or is writing for major international publications, including Time Magazine and the Harvard Business Review. His work had a personal impact on me. Yes, I like to say I am a recovering perfectionist, but I guess I am a lifelong perfectionist in different ways. Um, and I think I really realized this when I had a boss that literally on his whiteboard was written, perfection is the enemy of progress, the Winston Churchill quote. And that was something that really made me think about how my need to tinker got in the way of actually achieving progress at the points that I needed to. And what's been super helpful about the work that Thomas Curran is doing is that he's really opened my eyes as to what is fueling my perfectionist tendencies and increasing my understanding of it overall. It's also been incredibly helpful with my coaching clients because I work with a lot of high achievers and this is something that is very common. So Thomas Curran, welcome to The Courage Effect. Thank you, Suzanne, for that wonderful introduction. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So as I said, I really feel like perfectionism is in the water that we swim in every day and we aren't really aware of it. I'd love for you to talk to us a little bit how you define perfectionism. I think that's a really good place to start. I, I certainly agree with that statement. I've called perfectionism the hidden epidemic, hidden in plain sight. Hidden by its very ubiquity. Um, Perfectionism is a, at root is a form of deficit thinking, a, thing, a feeling that we're not enough or we're not perfect enough. And so really uh, every day we try to show the world that we are bulletproof, flawless, that we have no chinks in the armory and, and that we are a hyper-functional, um, competent human being. This is the ideal self that we project out into the world um, all the time. But of course, we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect that could ever be made perfect. And so underneath that perfect idealized version of us is a real self, which has flaws and vulnerabilities and shortcomings and all the rest of it that, um, that perfectionism makes us uh, despise, that makes us um, want to hide. Um, and as a consequence, that's why perfectionists feel a lot of self-criticism because every time that real self is exposed, there's a self-castigation that occurs. That's why perfectionists can't feel a sense of success when they do when they do do something well because it's very fleeting and it's on to the next thing and it's the next thing you've got to keep projecting into the world more competence more maximization um and it's also why you see in perfectionists a lot um a sense that uh that, that other people are judging or watching or waiting to pounce and so we're very very hyper aware and uh, of other people and, and their approval and the validation is very important for perfectionist people so if you feel some of those things, it's likely that you're a little bit of a perfectionist. And I think a lot of us do 
which goes to your point that this is something that certainly is in the water. I'm curious for you, and I know you talk in your book about be, being a perfectionist yourself. Is that what brought you to study and do research in perfectionism? Absolutely. I was really, I mean, any profession, um, it doesn't matter what it is, the higher you go, the more pressure that comes with it. And I think that was certainly the case for me. I never entered into the uh, academic world as a perfectionist, but I certainly was turned into one. <laughs> As I, as I moved up the ladder and, and the better you do, I suppose, the better you expect yourself to do and the better you feel other people expect you to do. And you just have to keep working and keep trying. And certainly those are perfectionistic tendencies that really drove me forward. And at some level, you could argue that they're, they're important to my success, but also they came at a massive cost. Um, lots of exhaustion, lots of burnout and mental health struggles, low mood, depression, high levels of anxiety, uh, which culminated in a mental um, breakdown, I would candidly say and and that's when I realized that I have to get on top of this because this thing that I think is pushing me forward it's not a sustainable way of pushing and if I don't turn a corner on it it's it's not going to it's not going to keep me in this in this profession let alone you know this uh this high place in, in the profession you know I've got to I basically I decided myself I've got to find a different way to strive and that's why it was I suppose that was the impetus for me to look into perfectionism more closely and try to unpack why it is that it's an unsustainable way to strive. Why is it comes with burnout? Why is it comes with mental health struggles? And more importantly, what on earth is going on? Why do I feel like this? Why do so many other people around me feel like this? Um, to take, I suppose, a bigger a bigger look at perfectionism from a societal uh, perspective. So that's the work I did. Uh, that's why I did the TED Talk. That's why I wrote the book. And here I am trying to do as much as I can really to get the message out there. Well, thank you for that. And what's so interesting too is that, you know, reading, watching your TED Talk and then reading the book, you talking about your TED Talk and you falling into the perfectionist tendencies as you're as you're sort of reviewing yourself and criticizing yourself. So it really does feel like an endless cycle. And I'm glad that you were, I'm glad that you're doing the research and you're putting everything into it to better understand it and to try to stop it. But at mm -hmm. the same time, recognizing how incredibly hard it is. It's so hard. And I think one of the legitimate criticisms of my book is that there isn't a great deal of self-help in there. I never wrote it for that. I'm not a clinician either. And I think that's really important to have boundaries in that respect. But at the same time, also recovering perfection myself. So I feel like it'd be very hypocritical for me to be dishing out reams and reams of life advice that I find difficult myself. I think that's the thing about perfection. So the, tough, the toughest thing is to recognize that, you know, it, once it's ingrained, it's really, really tough to let go because we want to hold on to it so dearly because we think it's really important to our success. And, it, and particularly when things start to go wrong, you know, when everything and all around us starts to feel like it's coming down, we cling to perfectionism because that facade of hyper-functionality is what we think is getting us through those moments. Uh, when in reality, it's not. And it is so difficult to let it go. And I think that it's going to be perhaps impossible for, for, for people to let it go completely because there will always be moments in this culture in the society where you're going to need a little bit of perfectionism to get by and sometimes that facade will come up and and will succumb a little bit to those perfectionist pressures but the challenge is not the the destination of it like getting rid of it completely it's really pointing our compass in a different direction and working really really hard to find those moments of joy where we're where we're accepting of ourselves and our circumstances and we can know that what we are in this moment is good enough if only we, we allow ourselves the permission to be it openly. And, and that really is the big message of my book. And, and I think that's, I, I think that's the message I, I think of most or should be of most self-help that, you know, there's no one quick fix. 
but there's a lot of hard work that's needed to get us to turn the corner on some of the things, uh, particularly perfectionism, that can create problems in our lives. So that's the main message in my book. Yeah. Well, and I also love that you, I would love for you to talk a little bit about the different kinds of perfectionism, because that was one thing that really opened my eyes too, is that um, it's, there's the self-directed, the other oriented and the socially prescribed. Can you talk a little bit about those differentiations? Yeah. So if you look, I mean, this is the, one of the most fascinating things about perfectionism. If you talk to perfectionistic people, so the conventional wisdom is that perfectionism is a very, you know, over uh, overwork, the quintessential overstriver, uh, high levels of self-imposed pressure and all the rest of it. Now that is part of perfectionism. It, it is. And we call that self-oriented perfectionism. Uh, need to be perfect and nothing but perfect. But if you talk to perfectionistic people, it's not just those high self-set standards that you see. Uh, they also report high levels of social pressure too, uh, a sense that other people expect me to be perfect. That's why I'm driving so hard because other people are watching and they're waiting to pounce if I'm not perfect. That's called socially prescribed perfectionism. And then you see a third element of perfectionism that also comes out in in uh, conversation with perfectionists. And this is this idea of perfectionism projected outwards onto other people. So not only do I need to be perfect in myself, not only do other people expect me to be perfect, but also I expect other people to be perfect because it's only fair, right? If other people expect me to be perfect, I expect perfection in myself, then you must be perfect too. And there's a, it, you kind of create this very uh, um, strong echo chamber of perfectionism where you've got a high self standards, high sense of social expectation, and also an expectation of other people to be perfect. It's called other-oriented perfectionism. And these are the three elements of perfection you see time and time again. Now, you know, you could be higher or lower on one, two or three. You don't have to be high on all of them. That's the interesting thing about perfectionism. No one perfectionist looks the same. We're all on spectrums of each of them. But if you're highly perfectionistic, you're likely to trend higher on, on, on the free. So interesting. And that was one of the things that really struck me was, and especially now, I mean, with social media, I know this is, this is one of the big, I mean, I do want to talk about the changes over time, but we live our lives in such public ways. So not just the internal scrutiny that we have, but so much more dependency on getting value and validation from other people. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's so important when we talk about perfectionism because we often, we often, I mean, it's, it's no, we, we, we think, we think with, we, we're taught to think uh, as individuals, right? Everything is an individual problem. Um, and, and as a consequence, it's the same with perfectionism. You know, it's a very individualized trait people carry around. And what we sometimes don't recognize is that we all operate in a social world. We don't operate in a vacuum like that. Um, and it, and so we have to consider that perfectionism is really, first and foremost, a relational trait. It's how we interact with other people. It's the mask we wear to convince other people that we're perfect, that we are this ideal person that we hold up in our minds that we want other people to see. So it's, it's not just about those high self-set standards that perfectionists do possess in abundance. Yes, they do. But it's also those social pressures which are underneath that drive that I think are really important because that's where you start to see perfectionism become problematic. Socially prescribed perfectionism is the most extreme form of perfectionism. It's the one that's correlated most strongly with serious mental uh, complications. And that's not a surprise because if we live in fear of screwing up publicly or making mistakes publicly or other people's opinions, uh, then we're going to find that we recoil from social situations. So loneliness and social disconnection are very high among perfectionistic people. And we're also going to be extremely vulnerable to setbacks and mistakes because they've exposed to other people uh, that we're flawed. And that has a massive impact on our self-esteem. So I think it's so, so important that you raise this because that social element of perfectionism is something that's often overlooked, but I think the most important part. 
Yeah, I just think so. And I like kids these days. I mean, you know, I look at, you know, my nephews and, and I see just the amount of attention that they pay. It, I mean, it was bad when I was a teenager. And now, I mean, and I can only imagine what you're seeing in your students. It's just um, the optics are different. Yeah. And, and they do live in a, a world where they are under the microscope more. I think there's no doubt about that. You know, social media has certainly played a role in this, but there are other pressures, particularly in school and college. You know, we just seen today, for instance, college admissions uh, data, which has shown even more competitive uh, uh, for places become even tougher to get into. More students chasing the same number of places creates incredible amounts of pressure. So they're under pressure at school, college to perform. They're under the microscope in social media. Um, and all of these things, I think, uh, are weighing on young people's perception that they've got to be exceptional. Really, like it's kind of the only way to to uh, get by. And so, I don't think it's any surprise we're seeing quite a lot of perfections among that generation. Yeah, it just makes reminds me of when I was applying to grad school, and that was probably one of the most stressful times in my life. Just you know, the obsession over the essay and all of the applications and what I was going to do, and you know, the fear of rejection and it's hard and it's a lot to, it's a lot to handle when you're young and you're still really gaining that maturity. Yeah. I mean, I certainly would never have made the grade if I'd gone to university when, uh, today, you know, it's, it, it is actually like, there is some, you know, sidebar to perfectionism, but there is something that has to be done about that pressure. You know, whether we widen participation in universities or we just release it in other ways by reducing them to standardized tests. I don't know the, uh, I don't have the answers, but I'm, you know, it is, it's, it's really, really a pressure cooker for young people. Uh, and I think it's up to us as adults in the room to take, to, to work out how we can take that pressure off. Cause it's certainly have an impact on the mental health. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Well, we're going to cut to a break. I'd love to come back and talk a little bit more about that larger, you know, meritocracy and the systemic causes of perfectionism. So everybody, we will be back in a minute. This is the courage effect. Stay tuned. Courage takes on many forms. I believe that one of the most courageous things that we can do is recognize when we need help and seek out support. Is something interfering with your happiness or keeping you from achieving your goals? If you're going through a hard time, possibly struggling with depression or anxiety, therapy can give you tools to approach your life in a very different way. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and accessible. It's an online platform where you can be matched with a professional therapist in as little as a few days just by filling out a few questions. I know from personal experience that finding a therapist and the right fit can be really difficult. With BetterHelp, you can easily switch to a new therapist at no additional cost. For more information and to sign up to get matched with a therapist, go to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com slash courage. Visiting this link both supports the show and gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. So if you're struggling, consider online therapy with better help. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to The Courage Effect. This is Suzanne, and my guest today is Dr. Thomas Curran, and we are having a conversation about perfectionism. So one of the things that really struck me about reading your book is, you know, talking about the growth at all costs economy and the whole idea of, you know, a meritocracy being you know, we're always expected to to prove ourselves, to to prove our worth. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that and its role in not only creating but reinforcing perfectionism. Yeah, one of the things that really struck me when I was doing my uh, research into the book was how perfectionism really 
grows in the soil of wanting to be or do more constantly and that there never being a point at which we can settle and, and accept that this is good enough um and I, I think that that comes from many different places but one of the things that certainly is pushing on that that tendency for us to think like that is that we live in an economy that operates on those under those principles that it has to grow every year can't slow down certainly can't uh, shrink otherwise it's a recession and we know what that means and in order for this whole thing to continue in a forward direction we need to work consume work consume work consume more and more and more and you know we've got the advent of ai coming onto the scene um technologies automation amazing they take a lot of work off us, but that's only replaced with more work so that we can consume more and the, the process goes on. And I suppose there comes a point in developed economies where the relationship between more growth and uh, the, the meeting of human needs, uh, human prosperity, uh, starts to weaken. And in some cases, it can decline. We're seeing in the UK, health, uh, sorry, in the US and the UK, actually, but in the US in particular, healthy life expectancy decline, even though the economy is still growing. So that growth in the economy is not meeting human needs. We see in the latest PISA res results in the US, uh, uh, educational attainment is down. Again, the economy is growing, but social and human markers of progress are not going in a forward direction. And so there's been a disconnect between uh, growth in the economy and the meeting of human social needs. And what I'm saying with, with perfectionism and the link I'm trying to make with perfectionism is what this is creating is, a, uh, is an existential anxiety where people are being pushed to continually self-improve, have more, be more, do more, but the economy and, uh, is not meeting them <laughs> in the middle and it's becoming harder for them to get by. Um, wages in in the UK, certainly, I know it's a different story in the US, but stagnated. Young people find it hard to get jobs and move on with their lives. And, you know, the pro, you know the, the college premium is now confined to the Ivy League institutions. It's incredibly difficult to get into. So all of this pressure is culminating, uh, I think, in 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 levels of perfectionism. And if you want to get to the root of it, I trace their lineage to an economy that has to grow at all costs. And there's nothing wrong with growth per se. I have to make this point. And there's nothing wrong with meritocracy per se, but it has to be broad-based. You know, after the war economy was growing to benefit people right we had a burgeoning middle class the affluent society uh i dare say we didn't have a great deal of perfection in those days because our efforts were being met with uh, uh better living standards uh, that's not the case today we see in the apex of society narrow and the proceeds of work uh, are, are confined really to a very narrow elite and everybody else is struggling to keep their heads above water so i think what we're seeing now is a very different economy and 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 growth at all costs is at the heart of that. Now, if we could if we could somehow uh, level the playing field, if we could reduce inequality, and still grow the size of the the pie, I think that's one of the ways that we can create the conditions where perfectionism isn't as necessary. But in the absence of that. I think fundamentally we have to look at uh, prioritizing human needs and creating more equality and being a bit more agnostic about growth in the short term because the economies are secularly slow and we're seeing that and they may continue to do that for a little bit until perhaps the advent of technologies like AI as I mentioned create a, a you know a second boost uh, that moves growth forward so I'm not anti-growth I'm not anti-capitalist but what I what I'm seeing right now is a squeeze on a lot of people under this imperative for us to grow, 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 grow. 
which I think is coming out in all sorts of different directions, but one one of them is levels of perfectionism. Yeah. You're also making me think of scarcity mindset. Absolutely. I mean, this is the, this is, <laughs> as always, this is the uh, fuel of, of supply side economics in a, in a nutshell. You know, you have to feel like we need more to consume or to work more in order for the economy to grow. You know, if we were content, we wouldn't do these things. And as a consequence, we would, we'd find that demand just drops out in the economy and we spiral into recession. So there is a, there is a sense in this, that there is a systemic need for us to continue to want, have, be more, which is the, which is prerequisite for perfectionism. And so in some way, perfectionism perhaps is systemic, but it doesn't have to be that way. I think this is so important. It really doesn't have to be like, like this. Uh, there are other ways in which we can build economies, particularly developed economies where we live in an era of abundance, where that abundance, you know, reasonably shared could provide a good enough standard of living for everyone. And we could be driven, we could drive economies forward through purpose and meaning, you know, through creativity and innovation rather than scarcity. I think just scarcity is the only way we know how to do it. And I suppose in the last chapter of the book, I'm challenging us to think a little bit more creatively and a bit more imaginatively about how we perhaps could become a little bit more agnostic about growth, focus on human needs and prosperity, innovation, creativity, put a floor on the poverty and let people just go out and explore. And I think that that could just as well provide an impetus to growth as as, as the fire of scarcity. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I love the idea of really, you know, reframing growth. And that's, you know, like, it's not just about money. It's not just about stuff. It's not just about always getting bigger. Sometimes it's about, you know, what do you learn? How do you expand in different ways? How do you, how do you, um, how do you just open up to, to what's already there? And I think you also bring a really important point is the whole idea of like, you know, there being a bit of a smokescreen around equality with it. It's, it's about, you know, every, like every man for himself and, that that only lasts so far. So there comes a point of how do we actually, how do we come together in different ways and to hopefully support each other and not make, not, not only shame ourselves. Cause I mean, I'm thinking scarcity mindset, like everything deficit thinking, everything mm -hmm. is based on lack. So how do we do that for ourselves to, to feel good about ourselves and others at the same time? Yeah. And it's, it's so hard. That's where, it, that's where you have to, we have to take a broader look at this because it's what is one thing to say, it's really important to you know, have an abundance mindset or whatever it might be. But if you are struggling from day to day to get from one day to the next, you've got mortgage to pay, rental payments to pay, food, you know, heating, yeah. bills, it, you know, of course you're going to find yourself in the trap of a scarcity mindset because you're essentially working for survival. As And, and as I say, we, I think we're duped a little bit into thinking that that's, that is just the way it is, but that doesn't have to be the way it is. Uh, we can, and you know, again, I, I'm an idealist, <laughs> uh, but I do look out into the world and I think we've got so many different um, overlapping issues, crisis on the horizon, mental health crisis. Um, we have a huge crisis in the, US, in the US of drug addiction and uh, poverty. Um, we have a climate crisis that's on the horizon, which is a function of expansionary economies. You know, we, we, we've only, we've had so much technological advance in green, clean technologies, and yet we've only shaved off about 5% of global emissions. Why? Not because we haven't done some tremendous things with technology, but because economies have to expand. And so all of that great innovation is just counteracted by expansionary policy. And what I'm saying, I suppose, is again, it goes back to the point about 
if we think about this from a psychological level, if all we if all we're allowed to do is expand, if all we have to do is expand and grow and grow and grow and grow, and then at some point we're going to find that that's really difficult and that, that, that it flies in the face of those intrinsic tendencies sometimes to recognize that we're exhaustible, fallible human beings and sometimes we can't be squeezed anymore. Sometimes there's only just so much insecurity we can take before we burst. And as I say, I think the heart of, heart of the mental health crisis is this issue. So yeah, look, growth is not a bad thing at all. Tremendously useful, particularly in the early stages of development. Uh, but I think we also need to recognize that and it's not all just a human tendency to grow. Sometimes it's important that we slow down. Sometimes it's important we take a few steps back, because because that is what's you know that is what it means to be a human being. So I think I think it's uh, growth per se is not a problem, but it's growth taken to the extreme that can be perfected. And the idea of it just like the hustle mindset too, right? The idea of of always needing to do more to to do something different. Whereas what you've really found in your research is that it's not perfectionism isn't necessarily more productive. No, not at all. And and that's the other thing we have to bear in mind is that, you know, you can get more from less. And perfection is a classic example of this. You know, it's an unsustainable way to strive. You know, you work yourself to the bone and you burn out. And you also do a lot of self-sabotaging things. Like, because uh, there's a lot of anxiety with perfectionism, a lot of shame, and a worry about making mistakes. We take ourselves away from situations where we might find ourselves um, falling short or making mistakes. So there's an avoidant tendency, there's a procrastination tendency in perfection, which is not at all conducive to performance. So you can actually get more from lowering, recalibrating those expectations, allowing yourself the permission to fail and take risks, because that's where genuine progress and innovation is made. So perfectionism has a lot of mental health baggage, but it also doesn't make us any more likely to succeed. And I think that's also important to bear in mind in this conversation, um, that actually sometimes less in gets more out. Yes, I love that. And I, I could talk to you all day about this. Unfortunately, we're running out of time. So a few things. So getting more comfortable with failure, which is obviously for ourselves and others, not putting unrealistic expectations onto other people at the same time. Um, a few other things that you said um, that, you know, perfectionism really grows in the soil of us wanting to be or do more. How can we reframe that? How can we really maybe pause and and get a better idea of other ways that we can contribute that aren't necessarily just about more or uh, or better as it might be? And how do we find an inherent way to strive, like so, like something different, a different way to strive? I think that those are really important things for us to look ahead. So as we wrap, Thomas, how what what are final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Uh, I would, the main thing is that perfectionism is not holding you up in the world. It's something that will create a lot of psychological difficulty and make you no more likely to succeed. And that's just really important to break through as a first as a first thought about perfectionism. And then from there, it's really important to recognize that there's a lot of pressure out there. It's okay sometimes to succumb to perfectionist tendencies. We all do it. But the point is to try to point a compass in a, in a different direction and strive not for applause or validation or fire emojis, whatever it might be, but actually for vocation. I think vocation is something we lack a lot today. What's the meaning? What's the purpose? What are you leaving in the world is the questions that I think we should be asking ourselves. And that is that intrinsic form of motivation really fires so much contentment, joy, happiness, doing things for, for um, the, just the, inherent joy of, of of actually making a difference or having some kind of impact that's for me way way more important than validation and approval and so 
that's the that was the biggest turning point in my professional uh, life was to try to make a difference in the world rather than do something to climb an academic ladder or the outcomes or whatever. So I hope that's helpful and I'll leave that with your listeners. Again, Dr. Thomas Curran, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your work. It's making a major impact on my life, the lives of others. I appreciate you really spotlighting perfectionism, which I do feel is um, an epidemic that we need to address more clearly. I appreciate you being here. We'll put all of your information on the website for people to get in touch. Thank you everybody for listening. Stay courageous.